Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Let's Talk Football Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Powell, and today, of course, we're back. It's a Tuesday. We're going over the weekend, the Premier League weekend fixtures that have just taken place and there's only one place to start isn't there really before we get into it I'd like to say thank you to everyone who's been listening sharing liking commenting everything it really does mean a lot to me but anyway let's start off with the game that took place on Friday night between Southampton and Leicester City the last game that took place on a Friday night between these two was obviously the uh the big 9-0 win last season for Leicester against uh, Southampton. And I think I think Southampton fans would have been very nervous, especially after that red card just 10 minutes into the game. It was a complete and utter joke decision that, I mean, these kinds of red cards are just an absolute disgrace to the game because it was never a red it was Vestergaard's momentum that took him through to to take out Jamie Vardy, if you, if you want to call it that. But it was never in a million years a red card. He clearly won the ball. And it's just a complete and utter joke as to why it's a penalty. I, ju- I just... Uh, a penalty. It was a free kick, obviously. To, as to why it was a red card, it just doesn't make sense. But what makes even more even less sense, if you like, is the fact that had it been two metres or a metre even further back towards goal, then Vestergaard wouldn't have been sent off because it would have been in the box. Leicester would have had a penalty. And because of the double jeopardy rule, there wouldn't have been a red card. It's it's just absolutely mind-boggling. All of these stupid little rules that happen in football now 
And it's just completely ruining the game. It's ruining the enjoyment out of the game. Fortunately for Southampton, they're not in a relegation scrap or fighting for Europe or anything like that. Because that could have had a massive, massive impact on how they play, on how they played the rest of the game. They played. I thought they played very well overall. I thought Leicester were the better team in general, as you'd expect for a side that have got <laughs> eleven men against ten for eighty minutes of the game. But all things considering, Southampton actually played really well. And they got themselves ahead as well. It was a definite penalty for the Southampton goal. Um, I can't remember who it was off the top of my head who uh, struck the ball. But Ian Acho had his arm up. And yeah, it was it was always going to be a penalty, especially after some of the <laughs> after some of the decisions this season. But yeah, the right the correct decision was given as James Ward Prowse slotted it home past Kasper Schmeichel. Johnny Evans, though, equalised not long after for scoring his second goal in three games. I never thought I'd be saying that about Johnny Evans. But it was a great header, a great ball in from Ian Acho as well. Fantastic ball in even. I mean, you don't really expect strikers to have that good of a delivery on them when putting uh, crosses into the box. But fair play to Ian Acho. He's been fantastic since coming in this season. And he showed it there again. One player that I do want to mention is Yuri Tielemans and how good he is. He's only he's only about 23, probably not even that actually. But he's week in, week out. He bosses the midfielder. He, the midfielder? <laughs> he bosses the midfield. And he had such a good game on Friday night. And along with Ndidi, I'd say it's one of the best midfield pairings in the league. I mean, not many teams can even come close to a midfield pairing of, of those two. And it, it, it's really, really enjoyable to watch, actually. I've really enjoyed watching Leicester this season. I think they've been a fantastic team to watch. And I'm actually really glad that they're pushing for... I mean, I think it's kind of certain now that they're going to get Champions League football. And I think they absolutely deserve it. They've, As I say, they've been one of the best teams to watch this season. And credit to them, you know, they've got... Just the way that that club is run is just absolutely fantastic. Moving on, though, we next game of the weekend was obviously the Crystal Palace against Manchester City game. And I thought Palace actually played really, really well. I think up until the two goals in two minutes, that just completely killed them off. But up until then, Crystal Palace actually played really really well I thought they played well to kept them out they created plenty of chances they just couldn't put them away but Sergio Aguero he's just so so good isn't he what what a player Man City have had I mean it's a shame that that his injuries kind of ruined him really because without his injuries I it really wouldn't have surprised me if he did break Alan Shearer's all-time goal-scoring record. I think the amount of time that he's been out injured, it's just so unfair to him. But that finish against Crystal Palace at the weekend was just absolutely outstanding. I think I was speaking to my dad about this and he said, and I think it's a really good point actually, that Aguero, he scored that goal and took that shot on because he hasn't got anything to prove. He, He knows... It's Sergio Aguero, that's who he is. I think most other strikers would have taken a touch and tried to get it back the other side of the defender and then 
kind of placed it the other side of the keeper. But the fact Aguero has so much confidence in himself and kind of like a a not care attitude if he if he skies it or it hits the bar or something. But it was such a well taken goal. And as I say, most of the strikers there are taking a touch and trying getting it back on their foot. Well, I say stronger foot. Aguero took it. <laughs> Aguero took it on his stronger foot. But they'd take a touch and, as I say, just try and curl it and place it around the keeper. But Aguero, just he's he's been an incredible player for so long, and I think it's the right thing to do for Man City to give him a statue. The legacy that he has there at the Etihad and at Manchester City is just incredible. But I think we've also got to talk about Ferran Torres and his goal. He took that very, very well as well. Obviously, about I think it, <laughs> I think it was genuinely like fifty seconds after Aguero scored his, which is just crazy. But yeah, and that just completely killed the game off from there, which is a shame because Crystal Palace, as I say, they were creating plenty of chances and they were, they, they obviously weren't the better side, but they they surprised me. They had a really, really good game, and it's a shame. That those two goals did kill them off, but I mean, it's Man City, isn't it? They they kill off 99% of the teams. <laughs> but one thing about this Man City game that infuriated me is that from their Champions League tie midweek against PSG, they made nine changes. It was only Rodri and Cancelo that played against both PSG and Crystal Palace. They made nine changes. Like, how is that fair to anyone? I understand that it's their 25-man squad or whatever and they should be able to do what they want and they've built this empire... I can't speak. They've built this empire that of just world-class players and just £50 million all over the pitch, plus in some cases. And I understand that, but to, to be able to make nine changes is just ridiculous. It's like, I think it was Wolves back in... I think it was about 2008... They made something like nine changes and they were fined for it. Why why do Man City get away with it? It's It just infuriates me and I understand the argument of, yeah, it's their players, it's their squad, they've built this empire, they should do what they want. But in my opinion, it's just wrong and I, I just really don't like it personally. But it is what it is. Man City are Man City, they'll do what they want at the end of the day and... I don't think they're going to be too bothered about what I have to say about it, to be honest. <laughs> but moving on, though, we obviously do have the Leeds-Brighton game that took place after this. And I really enjoyed this game. It was two teams playing really good football. And both teams just go at the game. It's, I don't know, I, I just, I've liked watching Brighton and Leeds throughout the whole of the season. Leeds, obviously, with their just mental attacking mindset, it's just incredible. And then Brighton as well, the way that they play is just incredible. And I think Graham Potter is... Re is I really think he's a fantastic manager that's just been let down by the players around him and the squad around him. Brighton aren't... Uh, rich side they can't just go out buying whoever they want to but I mean fair play to them credit to them they won this game 2-0 was it a pen some I've seen people argue that it wasn't a pen which in my opinion is it I've 
I'm just speechless as to how people can see that it wasn't say, sorry, that it wasn't a pen. I mean, Alioski literally has his arm blocking, I think it was Danny Welbeck, literally blocking his movement. Like, how can people say that it wasn't a pen? But anyway, it, in my opinion, it was a penalty. And it was a very well-taken penalty as well by Pascal Gross. Um, I'll tell you what, though. The second goal from that guy, Welbs, <laughs> Daddy Welbeck, rolling it back the ears some. What a turn and finish that was. It was a very, very underrated goal, I thought. The, the fact that Danny Welbeck is, I think he's about 30 now, which is mental. <laughs> Daddy Welbeck scoring a goal like that, taking it down so easily and turning and getting that shot away and to score from it as well. Is just incredible. And it's a real shame that he hasn't been able to do that for Brighton for as much as I'm sure he would have liked to have done this season. But, I mean, he's still not a bad striker, is he, really? He's a a decent striker, especially for a team like Brighton. But, as I say, it's just a shame that he hasn't really been able to do that more often this season. I think injuries have obviously played a massive part, but... I don't know, next next season, if he was to continue that, <laughs> being able to score those kinds of goals, I mean, I think Brighton could be a real force next season, especially if they manage to keep hold of um, Graham Potter, the manager as well, and with some clever, clever um, business in the summer, bringing some players in, I really do think they could be a force to be reckoned with next season. And will they finish... In the bottom half, I'm going to say it now. I don't think they will. I really don't think they will. If they manage to keep hold of Graham Potter and with a few bits of uh, transfer, a few good transfers coming in, I, I really think that um, we could see Brighton in the top half next season. Chelsea against Fulham was the next game. And, well, what can you say about Fulham recently? One point from their last possible 18. It's not good reading, is it, if you're a Fulham fan? I'll tell you what, though, it is very good to see Kai Havertz start to do well. He bagged both of the goals in this game. In Chelsea's, obviously, they won 2-0. And Kai Havertz, he's finally starting to get not only get some game time under his belt, but also start scoring as well, which is brilliant to see because we saw this young 20-year-old in the Bundesliga last season. Everyone was raving about him. I think he scored about 20 goals last season. He was so, so good. And then he made his big money move to Chelsea this season with everything that's happened in the COVID-19 pandemic. He's obviously not been able to settle He's not been able to have family over from Germany. He's not been able to see his friends from Germany. He's not been able to fly them over to London. So it must have been really, really hard for him. But to see him finally do well is so good to see. But Mason Mount as well. What a player he is. I mean, I've been an admirer of Mason Mount for a while. I Last season, last few seasons, I've not really been paying that much attention to him. I think it's mainly because of people trying to compare Mason Mount and Jack Grealish. And obviously you all know how much I love Jack Grealish. And I don't think Mason Mount is anywhere near as good as Jack Grealish. But 
they do obviously play in completely different roles. Mason Mount is a fantastic player for Chelsea. Brilliant in that box-to-box kind of role that he plays. And even a f- bit further forward as well in the number 10 where he played on Saturday. I think he's, he really, really is a seriously good talent. And I really think he, he can go far in his career. I really, really do. Um, but Fulham, though, it's just such a shame to see where they've dropped to, isn't it? They they were playing some such good football. And I mean, they still are. They're still trying and giving themselves a go. Or at least giving themselves a chance. But I don't know. It just seems too... It just seems too far away for them now. I say that though. Fulham need seven points with five games to go. Which, it, it's a lot. It is a lot. Saying that though, Aston Villa last season managed seven points with four games to go. We had Crystal Palace, Everton, Arsenal and West Ham in that time. Fulham, I can't remember who they've got off the top of my head, but it's easier than that. It's not as hard as Villa's running was. So it's certainly not over yet. I would I would really, really like to see Fulham give it a go. And even stay up. As I've said, listeners of the podcast will know how much I've been an admirer of Scott Parker. I think he's a great manager, plays some great football. And I would really, really like to see Fulham stay up this season. They, As I say, they play some beautiful football at times. And it really is just a shame to see how they've kind of dropped off. But with only seven points needed... I say only seven points needed. That's obviously dependent on how the likes of Newcastle and Burnley get on. But they play some nice football, much better football than Newcastle and Burnley. And Fulham are the kind of team that need to stay in the Premier League for that reason of the nice football they play. Over the anti-football, over the anti-football kind of teams, as, like I just said, Newcastle and Burnley. But I don't know. It's, as I say, it's certainly not over. I would love to see Fulham stay up. And fingers crossed they do. Moving on, though, to the most played English top flight game in history. Everton versus Aston Villa. Um, What could I say about this game? I was going into the game after seeing the team lineup. I was very apprehensive. I was very nervous. I didn't think that we would win, if I'm being if I'm being perfectly honest with you, but my God, was I wrong. It looks like we've finally learned how to play without Jack Grealish. I mean, it only took 11 games, but we finally got there. And it was just a proper game of football. I really, really enjoyed it. And I know I've got a few friends who are neutrals as well. They really enjoyed it. And it was just a, it was just a proper football game. Both teams were going for it. It was a great performance from both teams, I thought. Villa in particular. John McGinn and Ross Barkley look back to look like themselves again. It's so good to see. But that game, well, <laughs> I don't really know where to start, to be honest with you. I think Villa just played so, so well. And it's just so frustrating as to why we couldn't have played like that sooner. I think... I've said it so many times, the players we've got are more than good enough to play like that. Like we saw in this game between Villa and Everton, 
the players that Villa have got are more than capable of playing like that week in, week out. And it's so frustrating as to why we always have to seem like we have to rely on Grealish. But our players, as I say, our players are more than good enough. This is what frustrates me so much. We've got we've got the players to play like we did on Saturday. It's just so frustrating. Like why can't why can't it happen more often? <sighs> Calm down, Billy. <laughs> but anyway, how good is Ollie Watkins? He's just incredible. He doesn't stop running. And in my opinion, he has to go to the Euros with Harry Kane, Dominic Calvert Lewin, who also got a goal this game. And Ollie Watkins, for me, has got to be that third striker. He just does not stop running. And just for that option alone, the fact that sometimes you may need to press your defences a bit more. Bring Ollie Watkins on. Let him show you how much of an engine he has. He just does not stop. And as I say, for me, he has 100% got to go to the Euros. But Bertrand Traore, I'm sure you've all seen the clip. If you haven't, you've got to go and look for it. Sending Alan right back to Rio de Janeiro. And Anwar El Ghazi with an absolutely beautiful winner. I mean, it was about time he scored one of those goals. He takes about a thousand shots a game. None of them ever go in, unless they're from the penalty spot. But fortunately, this time, he did score. It was the winner. Villa came away with three points. We had a brilliant performance. Lovely to watch. So good to watch. And hopefully, we can push ourselves into that top half, get a top half finish, and then keep Jack Grealish in the summer, let him go to the Euros, hopefully if he's fit, and then go again next season. Hopefully, well, I say hopefully, we will be uh, bringing in some more recruitments in the summer. Get them in. Hopefully, we'll bring in a couple of wingers as well, because El Ghazi and Traore, I know I've just mentioned them both, but they are so inconsistent. Hopefully, we can bring in... Uh, Pedro Neto, Alan St. Maximan kind of exciting winger to play alongside, you know, your Grealish and Ollie Watkins up front, of course. Hopefully we can bring in someone like that. If it doesn't happen, then I'll be very disappointed, to be honest with you. But I think with Villa, just finish as high as we can this season, go into next season with some good recruitment, with Jack Grealish still on our books, and let's go and fight for Europe next season. Moving on though, and heading up north, very far north, up to Newcastle, who obviously hosted Arsenal at the weekend on Sunday. I wasn't able to watch it live, but the highlights and set and stats, sorry, suggest that there was only ever going to be one team winning this. And of course, it was Arsenal. Um five minutes in, El Nenny scored the goal to put Arsenal one 0 ahead. A very unorthodox finish for, <laughs> from El Nenny, I must say. It was a, I mean, fair play. Hit the back of the net. So, obviously the most important thing. But, I don't know. It was, it was just a, it was, it was a very strange technique, wasn't it, from El Nenny? Let's, let's just leave it at that. But the second goal, though, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang obviously got it. And it was another very, very well-worked goal. Um, Gabriel Martinelli. He's got to be starting more often for Arsenal for me. He's so exciting. He just looks so quick and so skillful. And 
why he didn't start against uh, Villarreal on Thursday night is just absolutely baffling to me. I think he's a really, really good player and crucial for Arsenal. Um, just purely because of his pace and skill, he just looks so dangerous whenever he gets the ball. And Arsenal have got the knack, haven't they, for finding youngsters. You've got Smith Rowe as well now. Bukayo Saka, you all know my thoughts on those two. Absolutely love them both. Bukayo Saka in particular, what a player he is. But anyway, 2-0 was the final score. As I say, I wasn't able to watch it live. But the highlights suggested that the better team won. And, I mean, it's not easy to be the better team against Newcastle. But Arsenal were. They came away with the three points as they deserved. Moving on to the game that I was really, really looking forward to before it was called off. Manchester United against Liverpool. Um, Yeah, as I say, I was really looking forward to this game. Saying that, though, it would probably have ended 0-0. And what happened probably saved me 90 minutes of my life. But I mentioned on the Total Screamers podcast. uh, If you don't know, I am a host over there as well. Um, I... Love doing those episodes. We live stream them, post them as videos to YouTube and, of course, on all audio platforms. So please come over, give us a watch, give us a comment. Let us know what you think. Give us a like as well and a subscribe. If you don't mind, it would be very greatly appreciated. But I mentioned on there my thoughts about what happened at Man- in the Man United-Liverpool game. Obviously, the protests. And I was just bitterly disappointed that the peaceful protests, that they've always got to turn violent. And I was, I I don't condemn it at all. I think that it's important that the supporters do protest. I can completely understand why they're protesting against uh, the Glazers and the way that they're... Um, the way that their football club's being owned. They don't... The fans don't want... The fans feel like their football club is being taken away from them, essentially. And that it's being taken into this American franchise model, if you know what I mean. And that's completely against everything that football is. Football is for the fans. It's a. It's been said so many times that football without fans is nothing. And it's spot on. Of course it isn't. And the way that these clubs are being run, not just Man United, of course, but Arsenal, um, Spurs, Liverpool, all of these top six clubs, Man City and Chelsea included. But Arsenal and Man United in particular, they're they're being taken into this Americanized franchise model of running a football club like the NBA and the NFL are. I think that football fans are of these clubs are fed up of it. They want their football club back and it's not fair on the on the fans, it's not fair on the players, it's not fair on the local area of Manchester and Arsenal of London of you know it's it's not fair and I can completely understand why the Man United fans went to protest because I would feel the same way about if it was Villa going through the same thing. I don't want, I, you don't want your club to be taken away from you and turned into something that it isn't. But the way that the peaceful protests turned violent against the police and 
and people obviously have their own opinions of the police and whatever, but it's just wrong. You, you, peaceful protests should never be violent. But I think the Man United fans did have their voices hit, heard. It's just a shame that the way that the the way they did it, I I don't think there was any need for them to go as for it to be as severe as it was. If you know what I mean, the I I don't like the way that it turns violent personally. But that's all I'm gonna say on the topic. Um, I think it's good that the fans are protesting against the clubs. They have every right to protest. It's just not right the way that the Man United fans conducted themselves, in my opinion. Moving on, though, to the final game of the weekend. Spurs v Sheffield United, Sunday night. And, well, Gareth Bale rolled back the years to, to 2012, didn't he? With one of the best... one. Of, I say one of the best hat tricks. It was it was against Sheffield United for crying out loud, but it was a very very well taken hat trick. I was, I think the thing with Gareth Bale is he just needed confidence, and there was obviously something that happened between him and Jose Mourinho. I think Ryan Mason giving him some game time has kind of it. It's going to have a it. It will have had, <laughs> sorry get my words out. It will have had a massive impact on him. Being, being given that opportunity again. And once you're given that opportunity, you've got to take it. And Bell certainly took it with three fantastic goals. But, I mean, you can't take it away from Hyungmin Son as well. His goal was fantastic as well. But one thing you don't see very often is four goals for Spurs with Harry Kane getting zero contributions to them. No goal, no assist for Harry Kane in that game with four goals for Spurs. That just doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. <laughs> it just doesn't happen. Everything goes through Harry Kane. Goals, assists, everything goes through him. But I guess they didn't need him for this game. It was Sheffield United though. <laughs> I think Ryan Mason though, 66% win rate since becoming official well, official Spurs manager, interim manager. Nobody can complain at that though, can they? I mean, he has played. He, he has played three games. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Anyway, that is all from me today. Thank you all for listening. Don't forget to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at LTFootballPod. Any likes, shares, follows, comments are all very, very much appreciated. Thank you, everyone, again for listening. And I'll see you all very, very soon for another episode. Find more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.